I'm Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's About Time for True Crime. Hey. Hey. I just really seduced Allie with the sweetest rendition of Rawhide from Blues Brothers. If you haven't seen that, you should. I was not aware of it. I'm glad I that knew was my it. first introduction of it. Because you deadpanned me through the whole thing. By the look of my face. Yeah, you were like, what in the fuck? I was like, what in the hell? What in the hell is yeah. this bitch doing? We yes, well, I've been with you for like 12 hours today, so nothing surprises me. It's true, it's true. Yeah, we, oh my gosh, 12 exact. I know, I'm not Holy kidding. Holy moly. I know. Babe. Actually, I was late to work today, so. Cute. <laughs> call it seven hours and fucking 45 minutes. Seven hours and four, oh please, as <laughs> if. Oh. But it's about to be another like hour and a half or hour, however long this episode's going to be. All right. Well, I've been here for 12 hours. I can buckle up for another. Well, I'll be honest with you. This one is going to be a longer one. Okay. Even though this is a multi-part series we're about to start today. Ooh. Even though I know that you know nothing about this. Okay. Should we jump into it? I think we should. I think we kind of should. I love it. Okay. Well, hey, hi, and hello to all of you lovely people joining us today. Hey. You all know what we're talking about because you clicked on the episode. Uh, but as Abby sits here before me, she does not. So I think it's only fair that we give you a little clue, right? Yeah, I'm just all wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and hoping for the best. Yes. Well, today we're going to be covering American serial killer Danny Rowling. Ooh. Is this name familiar to you? No. Mm. No idea what we're about to talk about. Well, very quickly before we get started, I do want to just quickly name some of the sources here. I accessed a lot of information from the crimelibrary.org, which is really oh. good. Um, they have pages and pages and pages of information on this. Also, biography.com. A&E has a lot of articles on this. Several podcasts, including last podcast on the left. And there are also several books that do deep dives on this. One of which is A Monster of All Time, A True Crime Story of Danny Rowling by J.T. Hunter. Oh. Which is a recommendation. Oh, Okay. Now, the name Danny Rowling may not sound familiar to you, but you may know him by another name. He's also known as the Gainesville Ripper, which nope. is just so much more Nothing. like evil and terrifying. The Ripper? Yes. So, oh, Danny Rowling. Danny Rowling was a serial killer with a chaotic and troubled childhood, to say the least, Ooh. filled with lots of trauma and a lot of abuse. He also suffered from several untreated severe mental illnesses. He went on to lead a life of inflicting trauma and violence on others, murdering eight innocent people. And after a particularly gruesome and depraved series of murders in Florida, earned himself the nickname of the Gainesville Ripper. Oh, so we're he's a, a Florida man. Yes. Oh, no. And a lot of questions that we have about someone's or anyone's behavior in adulthood can often be answered by looking at the childhood. Mm -hmm. And as always, when we talk about these kinds of offenders, I like to talk about the upbringing, the childhood, the family. What could have happened to Danny Rowling to lead him down a path of just absolute, utter, sheer fucking destruction? Yeah. And we're going to chat about all of that. Okay. So I have to just say here at the top, a big, fat, in bold, and neon light uh, trigger warning. Mm-hmm. For violence, sexual assault, self-harm, suicide, and child abuse. Ugh. Yes. I want to Wait also... To start <laughs> that out with sunshine. Holy uh, shit. Yes. I told you this was bad. Okay. I want to remind you to please keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside <laughs> the podcast at all times. Please fasten your seatbelts because this will, in fact, be a bumpy ride. Okay. So let's talk about Danny Rowling in his very early life. Okay. okay. So Daniel Harold Rowling was born May 26th, 1956 in Shreveport, Louisiana. And his parents were Claudia and James Rowling. Now, Claudia was 19 years old when she discovered she was pregnant with their first child, who they would name Daniel. And Danny's father, James, never fucking wanted kids. So oh, that's a good, that's a good mix. It's a good start, right? Yeah. So... Claudia became pregnant early on in their relationship. And by that, I mean two weeks into their marriage. And what? They, and they didn't date long. So they just kind of got married and it was like, boom, pregnant. Shit. Yeah. And two weeks? James was fucking furious. And I'm not sure if this man like didn't have sex education or what, but if you do all the things to make a baby and then get surprised when a baby is made, 
This sounds like a you problem, no? That's uh, user error. That so, is user error. Due to the pregnancy, James knew that he had to make some changes in his life. You know, he's a new husband and with this new wife and all of a sudden she's pregnant and he never intended for that and it kind of came out of nowhere at least to him it did and he knew that some of the changes that he needed to start with would be with work he needed a job that actually could support not only him and his new wife but now this infant Mm -hmm. that was going to be joining them in less than a year Mm -hmm. and he ended up taking a job on an oil rig that he never wanted to work on and immediately just began resenting the child he never wanted to have what a dip so he felt that he had to work this job because he needed to be able to fucking afford it. So this right. was this was all before the baby's even born. He's pissed. And I just have to say here, and this is going to be a common theme throughout all of this. James is violent. Okay. Um, can I just say, mm-hmm. this man might have fucking loved Lexapro. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I guess we'll never know. But instead, I have a feeling he liked the Alcamahals, if I'm being honest. Damn. That's not an antidepressant. That is a depressant. That is the depressant, James. Damn it, James. Fuck, James. (laughs) Well, James was very violent in nature, and his violence toward his wife, Claudia, um, was ever-present. And her being with child did not deter him in the slightest. What the hell? In fact, may have been a motivator. For example, he pushed her down a flight of stairs while she's pregnant. That's enough to, like, cause an abortion. Correct. That was the point. The fuck? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no. See, like, we're hitting hard. I told you, like, boom, right out of the gate. So he also, while she's pregnant, choked her and, like, would beat her all throughout all nine months of her pregnancy. Oh, that's going to be, like, really good for your baby, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... She was literally getting the shit beat out of her right up until she gave birth. Like, this is how evil this man was. This is how abusive and toxic this relationship was. And speaking of Danny's birth. Yeah. Uh, traumatic head injury enters the chat. Oh. If you will. Frick, frick, frick. See, Claudia was in for a very difficult and drawn out delivery. And the doctor delivering Danny had to use forceps to guide him out of the birth canal. And when he did so, the doctor squeezed too hard with the forceps and actually burst blood vessels in his brain that caused damage. What? Now, remember, baby skulls are malleable. So this man basically took salad tongs and squeezed. Like, if you're picturing it, I'm sorry, but I'm a visual. I need to describe, like. I ate out two, three, uh. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. So. I know this was in the 1950s. So we've already got assault and we've already got brain injury. Yeah. Okay. Super good. Super good. And this kid's not even out yet. Let's no. just let's just let's just start there, okay? Okay. So, like I know this is the 50s, but we fucking knew we couldn't do that, okay? It's not like we had <laughs> all of, you know, the the medical knowledge that we have now, but you know you don't fucking like Hulk smash a baby's head, all right? Like did he sneeze and squeeze it? Like I don't what happened here? And again, I'm not saying that this doctor intentionally did anything to Danny's head, but I'm saying that this kid was already 0-1 by his first breath. Okay? Yeah. And surprisingly, when Danny was born, James loved and coddled that kid as any father would with a newborn. You don't get to do I'm sorry. You don't get to do that. Oh, I'm fucking kidding. He hated that kid. None of that happened. Okay, He good. hated him. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't really get to beat him up either, but like, Oh, well, he, he does that though. Well, we'll get there. So he hated this kid so fucking much that he couldn't stand to look at him. He avoided being in the same room as him. This is his first born baby boy. And when Danny started to crawl and James happened to be in the same room at that time, James was enraged because he felt that his son was crawling the wrong way. How exactly do you crawl the he, wrong like, way? He like tucked a little, like he tucked one of his legs under, so he's like kind of like scooting with one. Mm-hmm. I think that's fucking adorable. Yeah, you gotta catapult yourself. Yeah. But instead, um, he didn't like it at all, and he actually shoved Danny down a hallway and like bounced him off a wall. What? Yeah. So, when Danny was still a toddler, his mom became pregnant again, and I'm not sure if James forgot to pull out or what, because he certainly didn't want the first one, and I don't think he was thrilled about the second one. 
Uh, but when this second child was born, another little boy that they named Kevin, James didn't inflict as severe of abuse on Kevin. It's unknown why James hated Danny so much and why Kevin didn't receive the actual, like, equal share of hatred from his dad. But luckily for Kevin, he didn't. Good for Kevin. And I won't pretend that Kevin grew up in a loving and healthy home because it's not like he was the, you know, the prize child and, and Danny was you know left right. to yeah no they both suffered living in that home but danny got it worse right but kevin didn't have it great yeah yeah so danny got it awful kevin had it bad it's like being treated better than danny was yeah. not being treated well yeah the, it was just the bars in the sewer he's a little above the sewer but not even at ground yeah, yeah. like when the bar is on the floor yeah and you're it, then for you, it's the inch off the floor. Like, the bar is not set. No. Nope. Okay? No. Put it that way. So, to cope with the abuse that he suffered at the hands of his dad, Danny actually took his dad's side in arguments. And this was like, in any kind of argument, any disagreement, in whatever, he was on his dad's team and sort of defended him. Even though this did jack shit to change the disgust that James felt for his own son... Danny just kept doing it. And Danny <laughs> Danny was especially outspoken and defensive of his father when it came to the abuse that Claudia received. And that is so odd to me because I'm really not sure why. The dad was the primary abuser. The mom didn't do anything to protect him. And I think that part of it might have just been a resentment for be- that because the mom didn't remove them yeah and claudia and james broke up and got back together a bunch of times during this sometimes she'd leave and she'd take the kids other times she'd leave and she wouldn't take the kids so i don't danny didn't have a mom that he thought was protecting him and maybe that was it i would say like consistently reliable no and she'd leave for six months maybe she'd take them maybe they'd all leave and go stay with a family member whatever the case may be his mom wasn't this like You'll don't ever touch my kids or do it. And she was a young mom, too. Yeah. And she was a newlywed in a time where if he wanted to beat the shit out of you, he beat the shit out of you. And you'd say, okay, thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this wasn't none of this was great. And again, maybe Danny resented his mom for not protecting him. I mean, she stood idly by while James emotionally and physically abused all of them. And even though she was very much abused herself. Danny could have felt that her complacency made her complicit with the abuse, right? If you don't do right. anything about it, are you condoning it? And when you're a kid, you don't think outwardly like that. You're not thinking, well, maybe what she's going through. All you know is that one of your parents hurts you a lot and hates you. And you try to appeal to them to get approval from them to... Right. And the make, other one does nothing. And the other one observes when she's there at all. Like, if she's not gone for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Right. And that's if she left you behind. Or maybe she took you. But even then, she's not, like, patting your head and putting your artwork on the fridge, you know? Yeah. So, when James turned on Claudia and would yell at her or hit her or do whatever he was going to do, again, Danny would just sort of agree with it because he thought that would be a way in to get his dad's approval. And that never came, but Danny didn't stop trying. Oh, Danny. A real go-getter. I want to put a pin here and break this down a little bit in terms of what's going on in Danny's mind and what ideas are being cemented. Okay. All Danny has ever known is that the attention he receives from his dad comes in the form of beatings, being tied up and left for hours. Oh, my God. So as not to have to be dealt with. Emotional trauma. Punishments for actions that weren't punishable. The list goes on. From his mother, he didn't get love or attention. Instead, she allowed what happened to him. And again, she's a victim in this too. But if you're looking at it from a child's point of view, right? all you know is yourself. You're not sort of looking at how others are affected by this. You're inherently selfish. That's your job as a child. Right. And in this case, he was a typical child in that way. And so this is sort of solidifying in him that in order to show love, this is what he needs to do. It's hammering in his head that when someone loves you, they hurt you. And to love someone else, you have to hurt them. And also that if you've decided that someone is deserving of a punishment for whatever reason, you inflict that punishment. Again, he was punished for things he didn't do wrong. Right. And still he got beatings as if he did, you know, some of the worst things. Yeah, and he so probably wanted dinner and got beat for it. He's got he know all he knows is a short fuse 
that bad attention is still attention and that pain and violence is commonplace. Right. That's what mom and dad do. So he's entirely desensitized to violence and it becomes so a part of his life that he truthfully just believes this is the only way. And these ideas stay with him for the rest of his life. And we're going to see this time and time again with just pure lack of empathy and compassion and the behavior again this kid's only going to get bigger he's only going to get stronger he's only going to get more violent so again i just kind of wanted to do a little bit of like that background very surface level psychology of what's going on here right yeah um but we'll take this little pin out and we'll get back into danny's childhood because i want to remind you we're not even in teen years fuck a big bag fuck a big big bag yeah okay so Danny would be beaten by his father over the smallest things. For example, he was beaten because he held his fork wrong at the dinner table. Danny. He was beaten for not knowing how to use the clutch when Dame James was showing him how to drive. I mean, he was a kid. He was just like, here, give it a shot. You know, yeah. like it wasn't like he was 16 learning. This is like a kid. Like, do you, you want to drive a car? No, like cute, like sit on your dad's lap and like get to like turn you the wheel. Turn the wheel. While they yeah, no, the- none of that. It was like, you don't. what do you mean you don't know how to use a clutch? Okay. So he'd get beat for that. And this is awful. This one hurts my heart. One time Danny found a stray dog that liked him. I know. You're ahead of me. I know. This dog took to him. And not many people or things really took to Danny rolling. Yeah. So he brought the dog home because, oh my goodness. And he was so excited to have his pet. Well, his dad beat the shit out of the dog till it died. No. And it died in Danny's arms. No. So, to say... His dad could have his own fucking episode. Oh, I know. Oh, it's only going to get worse. So, to say that violence was everywhere against his mom, against him, against his brother, against animals, against other people, anything. For anything. Anything. This dog just happened to be brought home, and that's what his dad did. My stomach twisted at that. I teared up. It's just, it's awful. It's awful and needless and fucking horrible. They'd also get beat if they didn't cut the lawn, like they didn't mow the lawn the way that the dad wanted it to be done. Then him and his brother would get beaten for that. It's like, pick a fucking lane guy. It's awful. Free labor or beating them up. One or the other. It's just, it's, Uh. I don't know. I don't know. And throughout the years, again, Claudia threatened to leave James, and on many occasions she did, but... It never stuck. She was never gone long, if she was gone at all, and she didn't divorce him. She didn't leave. She didn't protect herself. She didn't protect the kids. I don't know what she would have even had in terms of, like, assets or anything, but he was the main provider, and she was just... I would say being a mom, but not really. Yeah. She was just trying to survive. And she struggled significantly with her mental health. And we're going to talk about that, too. Okay. So it was around this time that James began a new job. Hey. He became a police officer. Uh, what? Yep. He became a police officer in Louisiana. So. Okay. I feel like this just tells me that there must have been not a single fucking iota of a background check. Or like any sort of s- streaming process to figure out who's adequate for Which that position. Which is like position. the 50s and 60s. I don't we obviously the vetting that we have like today and depending on where you are it's all it can kind of all be different but this guy was just, you know, it was probably under the times it's like you want to start here's uniform yeah. <laughs> like it was sort of like that. And also around this time Danny had been getting in trouble in school when he even did go to school, which wasn't all the time right he was truant a lot and he'd have violent outbursts when he was around his classmates and he didn't socialize appropriately that makes sense and so teachers suggested the to the family that they should get him into some services he's just he's not on par where he should be mm-hmm. he's not he's just not assimilating to a classroom setting the way he should be little things that uh, that shouldn't really upset him to the degree that they do Mm-hmm. It does. And so these are things that we suggest you sort of get him connected for. Right. So they didn't do that. Of course not. And instead, James just beat the shit out of him because it's like, how the fuck couldn't you just behave well in school? What right. do you mean you're failing your classes? What do you mean? Like, you're in elementary school. How do you fail that? 
like yeah. and just would tell him like you're a piece of shit you're dumb you're whatever like just hammering in like every bit of self self-worth that danny might have had yeah. is just like stomped on nice i love that super supportive great environment for children to thrive so then under the age of 10 a family member came to visit them and that family member sexually assaulted danny at the age of 11 danny witnessed and even tried to interfere with one of his mother's suicide attempts oh so guy a little bit more about this and again a, a trigger warning here for suicide attempt but yeah. a little a little delayed <laughs> But in this case, James and Claudia had been arguing, and Claudia had locked herself in the family's bathroom. They'd be, like, yelling through the door, screaming. She had brought a razor blade in the bathroom with her to oh cut her own wrist. James forced the door open, and Danny looks in the bathroom and finds his mom on the ground, bleeding. Ugh. And... He's kind of rushes... He just rushes to her side and tries to help. And right. his mother survived. She... She didn't succeed in that attempt, but she'd go to the hospital for some time. She got, you know, stitched up, but then she also got connected with some mental health services and things like that. Right. I just want to say that this was all before he was a teenager. This is fucked up. And then we talk about Keith Raniere and all the shit that he did, and you'd expect him to have had a childhood like this, and yet... Just a divorce at eight. Just that. We're multiple pages into this kid. He's not even a teenager, and Keith Raniere what the fuck okay anyway. so by danny's early teen years he was truant from school which duh yep. his dad already told him he was a piece of shit and wouldn't be able to do it anyway and he never got the services the school recommended he get so why would he start succeeding now <laughs> well yeah how is he going to be able to and also like i don't know i mean a lot of that's on the school i think to get him connected with things but who knows at that time what that would have looked like who knows what the resources were who knows what you could have interfered with if the family said no there's a whole lot of what ifs there. Right. But ultimately, he wasn't in school a whole hell of a lot of the time anyway. And he started using alcohol hmm. as an early teen. Super he great had start. been arrested several times for petty theft and alcohol related crimes, which fully infuriated his dad because it embarrassed him. He's a police officer now and he's got the kid that keeps getting fucking arrested. Oh, yeah, this and is so embarrassing. He had tried to run away from home a couple of times, actually. He'd sleep in the woods a few days, but he'd sort of always come home. Mm. And one time, after a particularly bad argument with his dad, Danny ran away to the woods, having brought a razor blade that he planned to use on himself. Oh. Now, instead, Danny returned home, and I'm not sure if anyone noticed if he had cut himself, but to me, this is, like, as clear as day... A cry for help he had watched his mother do this exact same thing a couple of years ago when she did help arrived she went to the hospital she got stitched up she got connected with mental health professionals people actually gave a shit right in this case i think danny was screaming for help he was hoping that that was going to come for him but it didn't oh. and the funny uh, this isn't funny but ironic to me danny's family still went to church um, of I don't. They did. His dad doesn't strike me as the church type, but I think his mom brought the ki the the kids, and um, he started learning some hymns at church that he thought were good, and were like bangers, you know. And you know that new sound you're looking for? Oh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> you like organs? Uh, <sighs> but he actually started to focus on music, which was new for him. He hadn't done that. So he got a guitar and he started playing, dreaming of making it big one day. Aww. He figured he'd have a music career that would take him far away from his hometown. And this is, to me, this is such a very teenage thought, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Who didn't dream of becoming a music star or an actor or someone else that was famous jamming out to your shampoo bottle in the shower? Like, oh, yeah. Mastering the air guitar, if you will. To me, this is the first and most human thing about him. The first part of him that i can relate to that i think is something of a typical child yeah which is good that he's got it and sad that it's the only thing that he has yeah and just so you know because we're talking about him on this true crime podcast um he didn't make it big Damn. as the singer musician whatever so you know he didn't even have that <laughs> right 
Um, instead, we know him for much worse reasons. Now, we know what else comes with being a teenager. All right. Yeah. Let's just say I think the blankets and towels in his bedroom cracked rather than folded. Yeah. If you're sniffing what I'm yeah. stepping in. Ew. However, I hope you don't step in that. Ew. <laughs> you said it. Yeah, but then you like extra said it. <laughs> you put it there. Anyway. <laughs> you picking up what I'm putting, but I don't want to pick it up either. <laughs> I'd rather step in it than pick it up, all right? I'd rather use the same ass baby tongs and put them in the damn laundry. Oh. Too soon. Sorry. Too soon. <laughs> so if you might have guessed already, you might yeah. have figured that his sexual fantasies weren't typical. No. Yeah. So the only thoughts that truly aroused Danny, if you will, were ones of just sadistic, fucking violent, torturous sex in which he is the one inflicting pain on others. So it wasn't like a cute little missionary with like a glade candle lit? No. Okay. No. He realized that the sex that his classmates knew and were having and enjoying a quick, I'll say a generous five minutes in the back of a car, perhaps, was just not going to do it for him. Yeah. His thoughts were entirely more Ugh. horrid um i would say and again as as we said before not to yuck anyone's yum uh but these were not like consensual thoughts that yeah. he was having so i'm not saying like i'm i'm crapping on you wanting to do that with a consenting partner or partners um teach his own i don't care what you do in your bedroom but i do care that all people are like approving of that in our yeah. game you have to be game mm-hmm. you know and i don't you know he wasn't really thinking that you'd had to be game yeah that's not good that's so, a foul <laughs> when danny was in seventh grade he had refused his dad's orders to get a haircut before the start of school which Ooh, is like a little also rebel a very like very kid thing to do yeah like who didn't and as a punishment james just fucking shaved his head he was like you didn't want to trim here's a fucking buzz cut go to school awkward what if he had like ugly head lumps Right? Like, what if he didn't have the head that should be a buzz cut? You right. Know you know? Yeah. You've seen There's those. There's one. You've seen those. And you go, ooh. And you're like, buddy, those... And you're like, it'll be good when that grows in. Give it, like, two weeks. So excited for you. Yeah. And Ugh. then you shouldn't have been. It's all bad. Yeah. So now his classmates gave him the nickname Sasquatch, which really bothered him. And what's weird about this, and I can't figure it out, is because he wasn't tall or big. He was, like, shorter and kind of... St- stocky like his dad Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like he was this big like oaf of a kid that you'd called sasquatch or like the nickname didn't even make sense but regardless of where it came from it fucking hurt his feelings right so to recap what we've covered here this kid has experienced a head injury at birth severe emotional and physical abuse has been sexually assaulted by a family member watched his dad kill his dog watched his mother try to take her own life and is now being bullied at school so super like really good healthy helpful thing nurturing pro-social absolutely yeah and we'll see that danny grows into a monster there's absolutely no doubting that but danny as a child is helpless and he's in pain and his brain is being wired so incorrectly so poorly so badly you feel for the child you want to scoop him up and you want to take him away and you want to like give him to a family that would love him and care for him and hope that the damage isn't done like you would just hope that the state would have swooped in that someone would have taken this kid that a different family member might have just taken a crack at it yeah because anything could be better than james oh my gosh but that never happened and at home if you didn't think it was possible the terror that james inflicted on his family only got worse really because james would keep his gun on him around the house and when any of them pissed him off he would just point it at them because that's healthy And it's even more scary than it ever had been in the rolling home because of that. And because, you know, he's such a loose cannon that it wasn't like, I'll teach. It was like, I'm going to get you. It was was fucking (laughs) terrifying. And the kids Uh never knew whether or not to believe that. Never knew whether or not he was actually going to do that. Is my dad going to kill me today? I don't know. Beats me. So because of this, because it was so scary at home, Danny started spending more time out of the house. Yeah. Which, okay, fair. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be there either. But one thing he did while not at home was become a fucking peeping Tom. And oh. I hate that shit. Ugh. Oh, that's so creepy. So he spied on this neighbor girl while she was getting dressed and her family caught him and were very much not pleased as 
they as expected and freaked out and went to the rolling house and like dropped him back off on his doorstep and was like take your fucking kid he was looking at my daughter yeah getting changed they're like we'll tell the policeman father to correct this because what the fuck yeah yeah he just got the absolute shit beat out of him for for that yeah and I also, you know, want you to remember all of this isn't isn't just violence and like physical violence. It's being told that he's a piece of shit, that he's worthless, that I won't ever be anything, that he's constant degrade yeah. degradation. Degradation. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, he's of his, course it's gonna yeah, be reinforced every fucking awful. step of the way. And again, all he knows is violence. And so if you think, okay, parents love you, my dad loves me. He beats me. Ugh. Therefore he's beating me, he loves me right so danny wanted to get out of his house even more now and at the age of 17 he tried to enlist in the navy but the navy said yeah nah we don't want you so he went to the next on his list which was the air force and he was basically kicked out of the air force before he even started i mean he barely made it through boot camp because he just disobeyed the officer's orders and was caught with drugs so he Mm -hmm. just got discharged and spent like 30 days in a military jail so because of that, because he was not expecting to be leaving, he was expecting his needs to be met while he was enlisted, um, he didn't have anywhere to go when he was kicked out. So, of course, he goes back to his parents' house in Louisiana, which was, uh, let's just say, not the best place for him. Do you think that's fair? Or yeah, yeah, I would say that, like, you know, it was probably, like, fine, but... I mean, he probably could have found somewhere better. Like, yeah, not Like, great. a little less assaulty. yeah. A little less murdery, homicidal vibes. Yeah, it's just like the things. vibes weren't right. It wasn't yeah. the aesthetic he needed. He needed to vibe check that. And he just, he straight up was not having a good time, bro. Like it he wasn't busting. It. No. No. Um, He got the ick. Yeah. You know. Is that what the kid's saying? I'm trying to, I can't keep up. That's all I got. That's my, that's my culture for you. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> well, regardless, at this point, Danny's now an adult. Yeah, and so that fucking listen again. We say it all the time. You feel for the kid, but it's the adult's responsibility. That is a shit upbringing. Oh yeah. So everything that we've just talked about was zero to eighteen. That's so much. What a fucking awful go of it. Like, imagine if he had used all of that to do something helpful and productive. Like the book he could have written. Oh, I know. But he, no, the nope. music he could have made. I know. He could have been like. An inspiration to the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. I mean, doubtful. I don't know. I mean, by this time, the Beatles are like donezo. Oh, that's right. Because he was born in the 60s. He's born in the 50s. But 50s, yeah, I mean, so by yeah. this time, he's 80. Yeah. Okay. NVM. Keep going. <laughs> my mom raised me better than that. I know the Beatles I know the Beatles timeline. I lost my place in this one. Thank you very yes. much. <laughs> <laughs> so, again... He's 18. You've just heard what I is unbelievably an abbreviated version yeah. of his childhood. And, and still enough to sort of gloss me over to be like, ah. Mm. I wish I could say that he straightened his shit out. He got himself into therapy, maybe some substance use treatment if needed. Started a new life away from the horrors of his family home. Unfortunately, we would not be talking about him on this podcast if that were the case. And we certainly wouldn't be doing a multi-part series on him. Yeah. So, needless to say, it only gets far worse from here. No. So, he began relying more heavily on drugs and alcohol, getting arrested more for theft charges, really not up to some good stuff. And he struggled to keep a job, was mostly isolated. By day, though, he had joined the church choir and he played guitar for the congregation. And it kind of seemed like this should be two different people, right? Like, yeah, he... Is this no? I wouldn't. He's not a pillar of the community by any means, but but he's, he's a consistent figure in a church worship band. You but know? he has a community. I mean, there's people to talk to, and granted, they have to, but they are, and these are people that aren't beating the crap out of him, who aren't outwardly mean to him, which is all he's known. Yeah. But then he moonlights at like going to steal from everybody, and you know, smoking a lot of weed and drinking a lot of alcohol, and he's way too like he's he's just young he's just a kid yeah but he's trying he's trying to make something positive he's trying to do that but also 
not. But also trying to fit in where he knows. Yep. Yeah, I feel like for him it was more like the devil you know. Yeah. Well, in this case, you know, he made friends in church. He had a community he saw weekly. And soon he was actually going several times a week. So it wasn't just only on Sundays. It was like a lot during the week as well. Because he started taking on more responsibilities. started volunteering to lead things or organize things or do whatever. He liked being in like, I don't know, the band. Like he got to dive into music. And remember, the church hymns are what made him want to get into music in the beginning there were some that just sort of spoke to him if you will right and that was a that served as a comfort for him and so that was a pro-social avenue for him to take and he actually started using substances less so he moved away from the alcohol moved away from the weed he was going to church more things were really starting to look up and so he was 19 years old when he meets a woman named omather halco what omather Okay. Not a name I had heard before. Not a name I've heard since. All right. But that's her name. Miss Halco. It's unique. I know. And she was a quiet, God-fearing young woman who Danny thought was a gift from God. Ooh. So in 1974, he was 20 years old and he married her. Oh. And she was pregnant soon after and things looked good for them right up until they didn't, if you will. Naturally. Danny felt the pressure of fatherhood much like his dad did knowing that he would need to provide for them and working just one job wasn't paying the bills so we got a second job and soon he was overwhelmed by that he was overwhelmed with the demand with the pressure with needing to be something that he didn't feel like he was that he was you know gonna be a dad now or at this point was a dad now and holy shit he was still a kid and Soon after all of this stress built up, he reverted to his old ways. Mm. He began drinking again. He was smoking the devil's lettuce again, How if you will. How old is he again? 20. Oh, God. In his 20s here. And he was back to being unable to keep a job. So he went from two you know, steady jobs to unable to keep one. And his wife and newborn little girl were paying the price for that. Little girl. And then... He starts becoming abusive. Of course. And, you know, I think it's pretty easy to say they're incompatible in a lot of ways. One of them being sexually. And if you'll recall, he was into some pretty violent shit. Yeah. And his wife, on the other hand, was not. Yeah. And so they both realized that they wanted very different things. He was pissed at her that she was, like, gatekeeping sex, or so he said. And Uh, just didn't consent to being beat up for him to come and she was like very young very meek very i don't want to say immature but just very innocent yeah and like what in the world like oh heavens like what is that you know (sighs) very different people so neither of them were satisfied in this marriage in any sense of the word and it only got worse when the police would drop him back off at her doorstep after he was caught peeping at women through windows again Oh, God. So now we're back to peeping, you sick fuck. Or <clears throat> fix, fix suck. suck. What a fix suck. So instead of accepting accountability for his actions, he just blamed his wife, saying that if she would actually put out in the way that he wanted, uh, he wouldn't need to be doing that. Oh, that's so kind. Again. It's almost like you don't need to do it at all, but. I told you adult Danny was a piece of shit. Yeah. I stand by what I said. Before yeah. long, his wife found comfort in the arms of an old boyfriend. Good girl. Telling him literally just how horrible it was to be married to this abusive man who would rather spend his money on booze than his family, who disappears for days, even weeks on end, and when he returns, tells her that she's the reason for the misfortune in the family. Yeah. So when Danny caught on to this, this, you know, other guy, and I don't know that she was necessarily dating, but just like had a confidant that wasn't him. Right. And this other man that she was, I mean, let's be real, I think she probably was, but can't say that for sure right either way danny was furious and he threatened to actually shoot his wife oh so kind and then tried to beat up this other man oh very nice so tried yes good (laughs) by 1977 she had filed for divorce from danny rowling okay so their marriage was a brief three years but a tumultuous one Mm. and i have no doubt that she had a terrible marriage to him and i'm sure that the horrors that came to light 
were only a fraction of what she actually endured with him. Right. However, I believe that O'Mather is one of the luckier women who crossed paths with this man. Oh. So now he's newly divorced and he is back out on the market and he is reflecting on his life. What a... I don't know. Like, how does someone like him stay on the market long? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, when I say he's reflecting on his life, I mean just taking an inventory of all the people, besides himself, because he didn't do anything wrong. um, Taking an inventory of the people that he can blame for the way that his life turned out. He started drinking again. He had nowhere to go. He blamed God for his divorce, claiming that God turned his back on him. Oh, yeah. And he just had a lot of anger that was building and building and building. Also, not for nothing, but, like, that's also probably what his dad did. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt (sighs) about it. He fell down the unlucky tree and hit every branch on the way down. A nosedive from it. Yep. But you know what? You're an adult now. And that's not to say that those things aren't going to impact him. But those are things that he needs to work on. Those are things that you can't just continue to victimize other people because you were victimized. Right. It's like a hurt animal, like biting anyone who tries to help it. It's like, okay, hold the fuck up. Here's some food. Here's a hug. Get over it. With proper therapy and, you know, actual accounting for it. Well, not get over it. Get through it. Yeah. But thank you. work on yourself. Get through it. Grow through what you go through. Mm. And then be a better person. Don't just bite the person that reminds you. Just don't be a piece of shit. And don't all the things that you hate about your dad, all the reasons that you resent him, all of the reasons why you feel like he's the reason for everything wrong in your life. Why would you also? Did you just draw a shit? (laughs) Yeah, I do, turd. I don't know how. You know, I feel like that's difficult to do. Like to draw something that immediately looks like shit. Oh, and you wrote Danny Rowling. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Abby's sketching in front of me. She just draws pictures of the things that I'm talking about, yeah. which is like really gruesome given this episode. <gasps> but that was um the last well page done. I doodled on was full of wives that were very pretty. Ooh. And like bridal bouquets. But anyway, like for me? Uh yeah. Um no, I, I cuz he got married, but Gotcha. Anyway. So they looked nice. Yeah. And then 3 years later they Yeah, didn't. like black eyes and Yeah, not good, not good, not good. Cool, 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 cool. So, no doubt, no doubt. Um, this is where we see him escalate. See, he had fully committed to a life of crime, and just after his divorce, he felt like he had something to prove. He just he was angry at the world. He was again angry at God, who he had turned to in a time where he was really struggling, at a time where he needed community and family i guess yeah and the church was there for him and so he feels like god gave him his wife because he was so grateful to have her but then did everything he could to lose her and then blamed god that she left and so now that he's divorced i'm not even sure where he's living okay he's kind of back and forth between his parents house always yes Because wherever he's living, he's never really there long because he can never really hold a job long enough to pay for things, to keep things going. And he's just kind of a drifter at this point. It's kind of transient. It's kind of here, there, and everywhere, but nowhere. Is he still kind of like mid-20s? Is this where we're at? Okay. And in 1979, he broke into a woman's home, a woman who strongly resembled his ex-wife, mind you, raped her and fled. Ah. And he would go on to commit armed robbery. And it was really odd because he wouldn't leave without offering what sounded like a very sincere apology, which is super bizarre. Like he would like weird steal like he would have the money and be like, I'm really sorry. I really had to do this. Please pray for me. I need to go. And would like he was just like, I'm sorry. I I wish I didn't have to do this to you. I have to. I, I need this. I don't have money. Thank you shit pray for me god bless you goodbye and like dipped i pray your breaks go out it's weird down a hill. do you know yeah. what i'm saying like it was just it was so apologetic and so seemingly sort of real and then contrasted to this like explosive violent and destructive outrage yeah that's wild but he just kind of like has this like i'm sorry like just kind of <laughs> like uh. 
it's like stop it yeah it's like kermity oh you know mm. yeah i don't know it's like nasally like just enough Yuck. anyway he committed armed robberies at gas stations at grocery stores at liquor stores and he was soon caught by the police for the robberies and was sentenced to six years in prison and all he all he had to say was basically i did it you're right i'm sorry <laughs> what the fuck i know and in every article that i read every you know page of the, the the crime library which i really liked has like literally 60 pages on this guy and i read all of it um <laughs> everything that i see it was just like it was so odd that he was so apologetic like and people who interacted with him would recall that that's but so it, odd but then just turned whiny it wasn't like i'm taking accountability it's like i'm sorry like i'll Don't do it i'll do it again i'll do it again you yeah. know ugh. Like, flick his nose ugh. was his dad still on the police force at this point to my knowledge yes okay. however all of his co-workers said he was like a great cop and he was like a it was like a good guy okay but it's like how good of a guy can he be yeah he's evil though and yeah. who knows back i mean this is like we're talking 60 years ago right so i don't want to compare it to like what i know today because that's not the same world yeah but it's disgusting that that was allowed to happen at all but it's like all right yeah it, ugh. so anyway he's sentenced to six years in prison and while he's incarcerated he met with a prison psychiatrist this psychiatrist diagnosed him with antisocial personality disorder, which is like, no shit. <laughs> yeah. And noted the anger and resentment toward both his parents. But yeah, that's probably good. When Danny, when Danny was released in 1984, which you'll notice the math doesn't add up. It's because he got himself an extra year for trying to escape. Danny. Yeah. So in 1984, so the seventh year, uh, he moved right back in with the same parents that he oh so resented. And this time, he was a bit different. He began dressing like Rambo, which was a little weird. What? Yeah. He seemed to just be entirely in his own world. He was sort of withdrawn. He was keeping to himself. He was isolated. He didn't really sound like himself anymore. He had these kind of really weird, crazy ideas when he would talk. And again, he would still say, well, I'm still going to make it big. I'm still going to be a singer. I'm going to... I'm going to release a hit song. I'm going to be... And he'd, you know, tell people that he'd already done it. Um, he was just waiting for the money to come in. It was just really weird. And to do it all dressed like Rambo, my guy. <laughs> and he also reported some sexual assault while he was in prison, too. So he's where just he sort of... Where he was the victim? Yeah, no, where he was. Okay. So it's just trauma on top of trauma on top of inflicting trauma to other people and then receive like having tra- yeah, it just it's like a cycle it is well and, yeah and it's, it's, he gives it and it's terrible Ugh. so then he starts dressing like rambo and i know that that's weird and it and it will continue to be he was hanging out with other people at this point not the church people that he had once upon a time been spending time with and he was in the car with a friend when the friend was pulled over and the friend handed danny a handgun and said hide it oh and the police ran the friend's name of course and this friend had warrants and so that friend was promptly arrested and danny didn't see him again but he did still have the handgun oh so that's good he ran off with the handgun and then just sort of went back to committing armed robbery and wearing a ski mask while doing so. So he's kind of like changing things up just a little bit. So then he switched things up again. He would break into homes. He would eat food. He would leave the food out on the table or counter and leave. And it was a really weird sort of satisfaction like an itch that it scratched for him to know that they knew they had been violated. Yeah. Because he wouldn't just sort of like eat their food and like throw it in the trash and maybe no one would notice. He would eat it and then leave the evidence of it out. So like when they walked in, they would see it and they could mm-hmm. all be like, well, I didn't do that. Did you? Well, I didn't do that. Did you? Yeah. And sort of the idea would seep in that someone was in their home. Right. And he got off on that. He was satisfied by knowing 
that these people would feel uncomfortable, that they'd feel violated, that they would feel unsafe in their space because someone had let themselves into their space. Right. Which is just a whole other thing to get off on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That plus with his like voyeurism, with peeping on. He just, he had the satisfaction of being in or looking in someone's home into their lives. And just whether they knew or didn't, it was just kind of his time. I hate that. (laughs) Yucky. So. Indeed. He wanted them to know they weren't safe. Now. In one of the cases, he also stole their car. So, like, that also told them someone was in their house. Yeah, that'll <laughs> do it. Someone had broken in. Um, which, again, all of it is terrifying. But now he's not just the wet bandit trying to make some money, right? He's committing home invasions. That is an entirely different ballgame. All right. And it's not for... Him to, like, get money to go get groceries where he's like, I'm so sorry, pray for me. It's just like, fuck you, I was in your house, I can do that. Or even, like, the drugs and alcohol, that was likely what a lot of the money was going to anyway. Right. But it was just, like, he got the satisfaction of a different kind of violation. Yeah. And these crimes were committed in Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi. I mean, again, when I say transient, I mean, he was everywhere but nowhere Yeah. kind of thing. But the police quickly found him in that stolen car. I mean, that's um, an easy way to track it. Because it was... A stolen car. Yeah, correct. And yeah. they arrested him for not only grand larceny, but also many of the armed robberies that he had already committed because they linked him to them all because he still had the ski mask with him. What an idiot. So he brought the ski mask with him in the stolen car. And so, like, well, now we have the car that we know you took, but we also have the ski mask that people said... That the wet fucking bandit that came in to steal from them was wearing. So now we got you on all of them. And, you know, he did the whole, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just. uh. I didn't mean it. So he got a 15 year sentence for this. However, he was paroled in three. And went right the fuck back home to his parents again. Because, you know, this has like only been good for him. Oh, yeah. No, it's done him a lot of good to go home. Once again, now that he's home, his relationship with his parents uh, still sucks. Yeah. And he tried getting jobs, and he would, um, but then he'd lose the jobs because it wasn't the getting the jobs that was hard. It was the keeping them. Right. So, of course, he never held down a job for more than a few weeks. If lucky, he'd hold it down for a couple of months before they figured out that he wasn't really a good employee. And he was fired from almost every single job that he ever had, whether it was Walmart or food service. He got a job at a Pancho's Mexican... Pancho's? Ponchos? Ponchos. Ponch. Okay. He got a job at a Pancho's Mexican buffet and was soon fired for a no-call, no-show for a few days in a row. That'll do it. And after being fired from this restaurant, for some reason... He'd, like, had enough. He was at his wit's end. It was the end of his rope. And I have no idea what it was about this particular workplace that got him all riled up. But he'd basically lost more jobs than anyone. And he would just go and get another one. So, for some reason, this was the one that was just, like, well, how the fuck dare they? Like, I'm mad. And now he's got something to prove again. And what happened when he had something to prove last time? He committed a horrific crime. Yeah. So... He did, and he did that again. He said, fuck it, and went back to doing what he knew best, committing crime. And this time, he made a return to peeping. Dude. So, we're going to wrap up this first episode with basically the crossing of paths between Danny Rowling and the Grissom family. No. So, the Grissom family lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. And in the home was Tom Grissom, who was 55. Okay. His daughter, Julie, who was 23. And Tom's grandson, who was Julie's son, Sean, who was eight. Okay. So Danny had been peeping on the entire family for weeks. The entire family? Yep, the whole family. He would stand outside the home and watch the family. And more specifically, he would get to the home just as they were starting to wake up so like as they're waking Mm. up as they're getting dressed and starting their days and have those first interactions with each other for some reason he just 
spied on them. That's so weird. And maybe he was attracted to Julie. I don't know. She was a pretty girl in her 20s. Maybe he was envious of the seemingly happy family because he'd never known that himself. Right. But whatever the reason may be, truthfully, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that his voyeurism turned very violent, and it did so November 4th, 1989. Mm. He took his anger out on this family. All of this anger that had built up toward his own family, toward his work that fired him, toward the world, toward God, toward whatever. Right. And it all just sort of built up. So he starts hatching this idea, November. Decides he's going to commit to it. On November 6th, 1989, Tom Grissom had been grilling food for his family outside. Mm. And after dinner, he had forgotten to lock the back porch door. No. Now, I'll say this. even Tom, if you're in danger. Even if he had locked the door, I have no doubt Danny would have found his way in. I don't think that that was like, oh, well, doors locked, can't go in. Yeah. He would have let himself in another way, and we'll see later that he does get decent at breaking into homes, so it's not like, oh, can't go in. Like, he's not a vampire. Mm. (laughs) Like, you just need to be invited, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, Danny Rowling, who had been waiting in the woods behind the house, this is terrifying, let himself into the home through the porch door wearing Mm. his Rambo outfit again. No, not Rambo. He's got the camouflage pants. He's got a dark t-shirt on. He's like fit in the part. And after gaining entry to this home, he took out his revolver and basically starts ordering the family around. And they're terrified because who the fuck is this? Right. Who is this Rambo impersonator? This fucking great value virgin fucking Rambo (laughs) in here coming in here and telling us what to do. But they listen to him because holy shit, who is this man? Right. So first things first. He orders Tom Grissom, the patriarch in this home, uh, onto the floor on his stomach. So Danny grabs his hands, he handcuffs them behind his back, and then he put duct tape over his mouth. Okay. And then he switches attention to 8-year-old Sean and 23-year-old Julie. He bound their hands with duct tape. I think he only had the one pair of handcuffs. And so he just had duct tape for everything else, figured he'd cuff the strongest one. And then duct tape the rest. So he also bound their hands and duct taped their mouths shut. So with the family subdued, he got Tom to his feet and led him into another room in the house. Now, Julie and her eight-year-old son are bound in the living room. They've just watched Tom get led out of the room. And they can't see anything anymore. So, while he's got him in the other room, he turns Tom around so that his back is to him. And he plunged the knife that he'd brought with him into Tom's back. So, he's got a revolver and he's got a knife and he just stabs Tom. Then, he turns him around to, like, face him and stabbed him again. And this time, he did it at an upward angle below the sternum. So okay. we got him where it would just go right up into his heart. Oh, my so gosh. It killed him almost instantly. So he's got a stab to the back and to the chest. Yep. So he okay. had turned him around, got him in the back, turned him to face him again, and stabbed him, like, up, up under upward the ribs. under the, yeah. Okay. Right Ugh. into his heart. So, because if I put myself in Julie's situation. Yeah. My dad's just been led to another room. I hear something. I hear him fall. This man comes back with a bloodied knife. Without my dad. She knows what's happened. She knows. So, in front of his mother, Danny stabbed the eight-year-old in the back. What? And watched as he bled out. The fuck? So, Julie is helpless, watching her son be murdered in front of her eyes, and she can do nothing about it. Nothing. So... After her son's dead, he picks Julie up and he walks her into the bathroom. No. He hoisted her onto the sink counter. He raped her. And then he led her into her own dead father's bedroom where he turned her around. And he stabbed her twice in the back and once in the spine. Uh, And watched uh -uh. her die. Uh Uh-uh. Then he positioned her body on her dad's bed 
so that she was lying down spread eagle. Because he knew enough about how investigations worked to know that they'd look for DNA, he washed Julie's body with vinegar to get rid of any DNA that he might have left, and he removed all of the duct tape that he had bound the family with. What the fuck? So he knew enough to try to avoid leaving fingerprints, and he knew enough to try to avoid leaving semen or anything else that he could have left behind to try to mess with that, basically. After that, he used their washer machine to wash the clothes that he'd worn. So that Rambo outfit he wore, he just chilled out. The family's dead. He's just hanging around the house. I can't stand that shit. Probably had a stack. Oh, my God. But he washes his clothes so that they are good to go. He hung around for a bit and he disappeared out the door. And that is where we're going to pick up for part two. Oh, you're an ass. Of Danny rolling the Gainesville Ripper. You're an absolute ass. Aren't I? Yeah. I'm the fucking worst, man. This is insidious. This is awful. I told you it was going to get bad. Yeah, you weren't lying. Bad. Yeah. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah, like, upset stomach. Can I say something else? Yeah. It's going to get worse. Ah. This wasn't. This wasn't as bad. But how? I, but I want how, how, how? You'll find I mean, out no, next week. I know, week. I know, but... Uh, oh, uh, how? how? Did you want to know? That's cute. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but what I, what, I can, what I can tell you is pay attention to this crime scene, right? Uh-huh. Because normally we think in things like this, right? It's fucking rage. It's whatever. Like, he's in some kind of psychosis. Because that is just... He's dressed as Rambo. He goes in the fucking... <laughs> and I, I don't know that he's, like, m- mirroring Rambo, but it's, like, what he looks like. Right, right. In the time period, I mean, probably. Yeah. And so the idea that he just quickly gets rid of the patriarch, it's like he doesn't want him to see him, so he stabs him in the back, but then he's like, nope, turns him around. Just kidding, look at me in the eye. Yeah, Yeah. stabs him again and makes the mother watch as as he murders the son. And then after he's killed Julie... He lays her out. He, like, displays her. Mm-hmm. And what he's trying to do with that is make the most horrific scene for the next person that walks in. Ugh. I wouldn't say that it's, like, a signature of his where it's, like, something that he compulsively feels like he needs to do. Right. Or it's, like, toying with anything. He truly just wants to spark the most brutal, shocking horrific gut punch that he can to the yeah. next person that's gonna walk in that has no idea what's happened <sighs> that he's, I, ju- he's just he's looking for another victim basically yeah. he wants someone else to be victimized by this scene i mean this is per- like a pretty bad analogy but it's like the most bang for his buck the most victims for the least amount of work seriously though that's what his his goal oh was it was God. to just for who else can i traumatize with this that's so much. And he didn't just do it and then fucking dip. He hung no, he around. hung out. He knew he had time. He wasn't. Ex- he had watched the family so long that he knew that there w- wasn't anyone else to expect to come in. Right. It's not like someone comes in after a third shift or a late night. Yeah. You know, he he got the whole family. Fuck. So we're only going to see that escalate. Hate that for me. As you should. Um, hate that for all of them too. I also want to say that yeah. because we talked a lot in this episode about self harm, yes. take care of yourselves. And as a reminder, you can dial nine eight eight in a mental health emergency, which is available twenty four seven, as well as nine one one if you or someone else that you know are in danger. We've got a ton of resources on our Instagram page in the highlight called resources. Um, yeah. so I won't just spend a bunch of time listing them all there because. We have them everywhere. Um, also, you guys, you know, if shit's hard, go get help. Don't spiral to this point, please. No, and not that I think any of you would. I mean, you're listening to this, but like, but you feel for the. I mean, yeah, you, you really feel do. For the kid, he had a shit upbringing, but like, 
I just wish, you know what I wish? What do you wish? I wish it was like Matilda and there was like a cute little teacher who like took him under her wing and she was like, here's your first pack of crayons that's yours and a coloring book that you like. And she gave him a blanket and some tea and they worked on his behavioral issues and they worked through his trauma and then he grew up to be a therapist because it was so influential for him. And then he goes to be a guidance counselor at a school where he sees other kids and makes their lives better. This is shit. That's a much better story. Oh, that's very hopeful. But we wouldn't talk about that in this podcast. No, I know. We never do. (laughs) No, we don't talk about the happy-go-lucky unicorn shitting rainbows. I know. And I love it so much. (laughs) I know. Just the big old poops of rainbows. Yeah. Yeah, that ain't it. We just, we don't have that, my friend. No, we don't. Sorry to break it to you. But that was a very intense episode so i'm sorry again i'll just give you the the warning now that next time will be worse so oh god okay oh yeah no that's just gonna be straight up fucking worse so excited i know can't wait you should be wow i know real good 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 Okay, you guys, so if you wanted to go to our Instagram and look at some of those resources, because I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like I want to text my therapist, (laughs) Um, or if you just want a meme, a good reprieve, a laugh, because boy, oh boy, do you need it, you could go to our Instagram, type up our little handle in the search box, which would be at about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word so that's a b o u t period t i m e period f o r period t r u e period c r i m e period p o d because podcast was too long and if that wasn't enough for you if you were like um i don't just want to see the people the places the things all the polls that are going on all of the fun memes all of the pod pets you could email us and we do respond to every email. And unless Allie, you're creepy. Yeah, unless you're creepy. Don't be creepy. Sorry. Um, we've had that. So just don't. Um, Thank you. Yeah. However, if you do want to send us a case recommendation, let us know what you think. What do you think of Danny Rowling? What do you think of the Nexium stuff? What do you think of any yeah. of the cases that we've covered um, to date? What's you been have your any favorite cool info? Yeah. Do you have any favorites or any of these like local mm-hmm. hometowns to you? Do you have any of your own? Yeah, what do local you, stories that you want to share with us because we'd love to hear about it and read about it and yeah. hear from you about it. Um, tell us all the things over at Gmail. Yeah, we'd love for you to tell us all the things. So if you'd like to do that, oh my gosh, where? How do you, I do it? I've got my little Gmail open right now. Oh my god, that's so cute. Let me mm-hmm. just tell you about it. Okay, little Alexis Rose. Mm-hmm. Ew, David. Yum. Yum. Ugh. Um. So if you haven't watched Shit's Creek, that's like. That's step one. Work. That's yeah. step one. Uh, step two, though, is to email us at about time the number four tc at gmail.com. So that would be a b o u t t i m e numeric four tc at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We love to chat with you. Um, and if all of that was really wordy for you, you can just look in the show notes, baby girl. It's all there. It's always there, guys. Every single time, along with our sources for everything that we look up. Mm-hmm. Um, our red bubble if you want to buy cute little stickies oh my gosh cutest little stickies and we love you guys so much we do we really do don't forget though you guys while you're listening while you're on those fun little platforms please do leave us a review and a rate and subscribe and download and all those fun things because it helps us actually a lot like it, it really, really does. does and don't don't forget to tell a friend yeah sharing's caring you know don't gatekeep no oh my gosh we want to be friends with all of you um and also, we love it. And that's how it works. Like, we've told everybody we know now. So I know. it's kind of on you. No it's offense. Kind of like a, no pressure or anything. No. Um, but if I take a gander at my watch, I do believe that that was About, about time, time for True Crime. crime. Bye. 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 Damn. I'm bad, right? Sad, yeah. <laughs>